Yes, we're back with another rider, another episode. Today we have Damien and Lolia. Yeah, the lovely couple. Seem to be married. And <laughs> David, David's got, he's got an interesting career of, well, let, let's let you explain. Thanks, Wait, Simon. What is your career? What do you do? So I'm a learning and development specialist, which means I work with people in the workplace to help them to improve their techniques in leadership and to perhaps be a bit more natural in how to lead people rather than feeling uncomfortable about it. And how long have you been doing that for? About 18 years, actually. Really? Yeah. So I first trained as a life coach in 2003. And because of my corporate background, I got involved in bringing those skills into the workplace to help people improve their performance and unlock potential for themselves and for their teams. All right, let's go back a bit. What were you doing before you become a life coach? Uh, so I was working in relationship management and what's called business development. So mostly large contracts in negotiation, dealing with you know, things like multinational deals where we would negotiate a big contract for a, a pharmaceutical firm to have stationery or to have facilities management. So I was always involved in sort of business deals and understanding the, the business workplace and and all, all aspects of commerce, I suppose, really. Okay, that's, that's good. That's good. So, and how did you, going back a bit further, how did you fall into that role? Did you go to uni or college or, and that was what you wanted to do? No, absolutely not. No, I was definitely the school of hard knocks. It was uh, leaving school with four CSEs in those days. Okay. Um, and was that season above? Sorry, say again? Was that season uh, above? Probably, yeah, they were graded in ones and twos in those days. So I think I had grades, yeah, kind of average, probably. I didn't achieve much academically at school, that's for sure. But what I did do was awaken a passion for business. And I had the opportunity to do some work experience one day a week with Marks and Spencers. Mm -hmm. And that kind of got me into understanding the marketplace and understanding retail and just understanding the workplace a bit more as well. So, yeah, I used to work for Marks and Sensors, so I take it they threw you on loads of courses? Yeah, well, I didn't go on a lot of courses, actually. I worked in every department in uh, one of those stores in, in Colchester High Street, actually, originally. And uh, I was stacking shelves and working on the tills and just got to work in different departments and understand how it all worked. Mm -hmm. My first real training outside of school was actually on a Dale Carnegie training course, which was how to win friends and influence people. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was about 18, so it was a really you know, interesting time for me because I was kind of understanding the workplace and understanding myself and, and the importance of relationships and communication. So uh, that was definitely a turning point for me. Okay, that's good. So moving forward, so you've gone from Marks and Spencers You've done all these training courses. How many years were you in Marston Spencer's for? Oh, a couple of years, really. That was just kind of part-time shelf stacking, really. Um, I guess my first really good break in terms of understanding more for training purposes was when I went to work for Walker's Crisp when I was probably, I think I might have been about 19 or 20, something like that. And I worked for them for about two years, but that was real classic training in business development, relationship management, managing like a territory and going to see customers every day. I'd see about 20 customers a day on an eight-week cycle, going to visit them and talk about promotions and 
what marketing things were happening for Walker's Crisps and making sure they had a, a full display of the of products. Okay, that's good. So leaving Mark Spencer's, then you went on to meet this guy. Is that correct? M meet this guy. So when I say when I say meet this guy, you moved on to the next stage the next stage which was liaising with the businesses where you had the mentor. yeah yeah that's right yeah Sorry, yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah gotcha gotcha okay. yeah so okay. uh, <laughs> so yeah you there for long again a couple of years and i wasn't really able to progress in the area that i was working in because i would have had to have moved and i was just sort of starting a family at the time mm -hmm. and i felt that you know it would be better if i moved on to a, a bigger role like the next step up so I had to move company to do that. So I went to work for a match manufacturing company called Swan Vesta. Well, actually, Bryant and May is the name of the company, mm -hmm. but their brand was Swan Vestas and Swan Swan refillable lighters, Swan cigarette papers, etc. And so again, it's what's called FMCG, fast moving consumer goods. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, classic training in marketing and, and distribution and relationship building in, in that area. Okay, that's good. Did you ever get imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. When you, yeah. Because I, why I say that, someone said about imposter syndrome, and I went, I never get that. But then, since as I've got older in life, and I've had to do certain business things, where like I've got this situation where I've got a small consultancy company I started, but I haven't really pushed it. And so I used to live in Kenya, even though I've been born here. Yeah. And. I'm connecting businesses where I see who could do very well in Africa, fastest uh -huh. growing population, yeah. Yeah. fastest growing economies on the planet and all yeah. that kind of thing, loads of opportunity. But you kind of sit there in a meeting and you think, oh, shut up, this is not meant to be me. <laughs> How did you get over that? How do you manage that? And do you still ever get that? Yeah, I think that comes with maturity, you know. I think for a long time I probably felt that and particularly for a period of time you get quite confident and cocky about what you're doing when you're younger so you kind of get through that and then there comes a point where you reach a kind of ceiling and think how did I get here and how am I going to continue to sustain this mm -hmm. so I did reach that point definitely in my kind of mid-career and training definitely helped that and would help me to improve my you know my understanding of the workplace and, and the understanding of those roles but I definitely had a sense of you know feeling like I was out of my comfort zone and probably out of my depth in some respects and there's something called the Peter principle where you get promoted beyond your level of capability and that definitely happened to me I was very very good at what I did I got promoted into a role you know above what I was doing and I wasn't competent in that role because I didn't have the skills necessarily to do that so I think that the Peter principle definitely hit me as well probably more so than the imposter syndrome and then there was a guy I met when I was doing the coaching for the first time and he was very much into, you know, fake it till you make it. So, was he American? No, he wasn't American, but he, might, he could well have been. It was very sort of rah-rah motivational sort of stuff. And so that, that sort of taught me a lot about, you know, making sure that my mindset was right. And that was very important to get that mindset of, you know, that you can do it and that you're all capable of doing it. And that's one of the things that coaching helps people to do is to set their mindset to a point where it gives them a frame to improve what they do and, and unlock their potential rather than 
be blocked by their limiting belief or imposter syndrome or by a sense of you know not being good enough or whatever that might be for them whatever their belief might be that's holding them back okay talk us through the stages of when you meet a company in the consultancy bringing them together with another company what, what's the stages how does the process work so most of the time I'm working with a sponsor who brings me in because they've identified a problem in their business. So they'll bring me in to say, you know, they've got a problem with an individual or with a team or they recognise that they want to have something that's better than what they have today. So they're looking for improvement, they're looking for growth and they're looking for making sure that their people are ready for the next stage of their development either as an individual as a team or as an organization and so that's when I go in and work with those people to help them to grow either individually as a team or even as an organization to ensure that things are in place for succession to make sure things are in place that they've got the right people that they're trained in the right way and their teams have the the best opportunity to perform at their, at their best. Do you have a a drop down like a box tick box list of things you look for in a company where they they say okay this teams are not really don't they're not really performing the way they are should be or we've got a client and there's somebody on that team who's just really a pain in the ass excuse my French <laughs> do you have a tick box that you go through uh, and if so yeah. what is it yeah I mean kind of there's lots of different ways of diagnosing that sort of stuff and so it depends when I'm working with an individual on a diagnostic for them or whether it's the diagnostic for the tool or a diagnostic for the, the organisation itself. Typically, it comes down to you know, the beliefs of the individual or team. It comes down to the values of the organisation and it comes down to whether they're all aligned or not and also effective communication because often if there's conflict or there's problems that are arising for people's performance you know nine times out of ten that can be a simple communication around values alignment and around making sure that everyone's on the same page mm -hmm. okay that's good have you ever had a situation where you just said listen i can't help you on this one not so much i think it comes down to managing expectations and, and managing you know the the reality of what somebody wants to achieve from the work that I'm going to do and I'll be very clear on what those expectations are I'll, I'll understand those up front um, and if they're unrealistic then I'll need to perhaps bring in other people that can help me with those unrealistic expectations that maybe I don't have the expertise to be able to deliver that so I'll bring in somebody who can help me or I might turn around and say actually no you what you need is this and and refer them to somebody that might be more suitable for them so for example you know a business coach would work on very much processes and systems for an organization to improve their sales I would work on the individuals not on the process mm -hmm. so you know I might bring somebody in to help me with that for example where you've got people who are family business owned very personal I've had my own businesses uh, before and it is when <laughs> you don't want to be told nothing yeah even if you're sinking you're like I know how to swim <laughs> <laughs> how do you get people on board and you know make them see that 
apart from saying the obvious, like, well, if you didn't need me, I wouldn't be here. So, <laughs> how do you get people on board in a diplomatic way? Yeah, I think the the best way, to be honest, is to, well, the, the, the truth of it is that it's through results. You know, you have to deliver and, and prove to people, you know, the reason why you're there and to deliver results to ensure that they're on board. And that can happen in a training room where you've got 15 people in the room and you know a couple of them maybe don't want to be there or think they're too big to be there and it's giving them the the impact so it's giving results early on and the same with the family company it's about being true to what you believe you can do to help them and then delivering on that to prove that it works and so you know an example would be where, where you've got stressed individuals working in a family company who are working really hard but they're not working on the business, they're, they're working in it. And so giving them the opportunity to realise that they need to work on their business rather than in it, really kind of, you know, the light bulbs come on. So I, I try to get light bulb moments, if you like. Um, Can you give us an example where the difference between working on and in is? Yeah, so if you've got typically a family-owned company, you know, you, you, you're the people doing all the work and having to do all the, the kind of, you know, repairing stuff and serving customers and you know ordering stock and you know making sure that the money's banked and cleaning the windows and doing the displays and doing the advertising and doing the IT and you know and 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 so there's often a time where a company gets to such a size where actually you were really going to need some people to help you with stuff like that so you need somebody to maybe come in once a week to dress the window for example you need somebody who's understands finance who can deal with all the finances and, and do the banking in an efficient way so it doesn't have to be the business owner that's doing it all and the temptation is that they try to do everything and try to be the the master of all and become the master of none you know and jack of all trades can be helpful when you start your company but there becomes a certain time where you have to bring in outside experts or or get, bring in hired help that's going to help you to free up time to then work on the business of how you're going to grow it. Where does the next opportunity for growth come from? How are you going to maybe buy, an, buy a competitor, for example? How are you going to bring in the next generation? How are you going to you know, grow the business to take on new contracts? And that doesn't come from, it comes from experience of working in the business, but you at some point have to have that separation so you can work on it. You spoke on the mindset there, which quite strikes me in the sense of growth, because it becomes apparent to me there's some companies, they don't really think about growing. They just think about kind of staying as you are. And what I've learned from being a business owner is that you either go up or down. You don't stay stagnant because you're against competition. Yeah. And you've got that got to become apparent. What would you say in that relation? Yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, how well you embrace innovation and how what your mindset is around change actually and how well you deal with change because as you say, if you try and stay the same, you'll stagnate and plateau and your competitors will come along with a, a better offering or a more innovative offering or something that's different to what you do and that means that you're then gonna be left behind or your service doesn't seem like it's as good as theirs anymore and so I think it's important to always be open-minded innovative and thinking about growth 
that's the way that successful businesses will continue to thrive and grow. When a business becomes complacent, then the mistakes start to come, you become a little bit more lazy, you get up a little bit later, you tend to do a little bit less. And over time, that can impact the business where eventually, as you say, it starts to go backwards and, and deteriorate or decline. My next business I have, based on, I've been listening to a lot of entrepreneurs, people who are doing, doing what they're motivational, people like yourself. Are you on YouTube? Uh, yeah, I do have some YouTube clips, actually, yeah. No, yeah. You, you do. What's your channel, by the way? Give yourself a shout-out now. Uh, well, you can listen to the podcast, which is The Self-Sabotage Show, oh. and uh, you can look me up by name on on uh, YouTube, and that's Damien Colhane, D-A-M-I-A-N-C-U-L-H-A-N-E. Well, thanks. We'll definitely put that in the, in the link below when we publish this. Thank you. So, my aim in your business now is work in every aspect understanding and slowly distance yourself because i realize in distance yourself you can have time to start other ventures and you can always have a partner yeah you can share the load and it's better having a partner taking less money than it is being doing everything and burning yourself out and not being able to do anything else yeah exactly you lose, you lose everything yeah yeah, yeah. So that's, that's that's speaking from a man who lost it all <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking from experience yeah, yeah. in those respects there. What does the future hold for you? Uh, I think at the moment it's just really, you know, working through doing my masters at the moment in learning and development. So although I left school with nothing, all my learnings happened since I left school. Mm -hmm. uh, I am passionate about learning, and I'm a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm studying a level seven masters qualification in learning and development, which gives me a much better strategic view on how organisations can organise their learning and development across their organization mm -hmm. and how to measure that more importantly to make sure that it is working and to know what to do if it's not working so that will help me immensely in the, the sort of latter part of my career if you like mm. okay that's that's good with the life coach how was that in the sense of did you have to do specific courses or did you just realize from your life experience and your work experiences what you had to offer no it was it was study and um, it, it was a series of different things that I studied so it took me about two to three about, about two years actually to study for the advanced diploma which I had which is kind of in the national framework about a level five qualification so it's like having a, a kind of A-level or two A-levels. in Guild, NVQ? That type of thing, yeah. Okay. So it's like a level five qualification in coaching. So that's a lot of studying, a lot of reading, a lot of practice. It's very important to me to actually practice it and to have a portfolio of clients that I was working with where I could then learn from that experience. So it was a portfolio uh, type of approach but also a lot of studying and writing and reading, just as anyone would do a kind of diploma or, or A-level sort of levels. And that's, that's what I was studying. And then I went on to study something called neuro-linguistic programming, which is NLP. And I'm a master practitioner at that, which takes a, a year or two to get to. And, and then I've done various other qualifications and certifications in super genius and also in positive intelligence so different sort of aspects of coaching so it gives me a nice rounded view of, of different ways and different tools to help my clients and help businesses when you're experiencing the challenging situation a challenging individual a challenging team or a challenging business that doesn't know how to grow 
you know, I can apply those different techniques and different approaches to those different situations. What's a neurolistic? I know neurolistic is your nervous system, isn't it? Yeah, neurolinguistic programming is basically neuro, which is to do with the brain, and linguistic, which is to do with language. So it's how our brains use language, and there's a lot of patterns that we use in different types of language where we program ourselves from our own self-talk, for example, and where you start to believe something around something that you've said, you can create a, a whole load of beliefs and a whole load of patterns around that and sabotage your own performance and sabotage your own life in relationships or in career or in finances or in health and that sabotage can often be caused by a limiting belief and one of the ways to overcome that is to reprogram the language that you use so that your brain then knows that actually you're capable of something more so most athletes top performing athletes use neuro-linguistic programming and use that in their kind of high-performing areas and when they're practicing and when they're learning their topic you know that you need 10,000 hours of, of practice to be a master at something so when they master their sport they also have to master their mind to ensure that they're not holding themselves back. Did you have you found the your big advocate for education, which is which is good? Do you think you would have progressed as well as you have if you hadn't done all these degrees? Because you sound like you've done a lot of studying. Yeah, I guess I have done a fair amount of studying, and and I've really enjoyed it, and I still do. I think it's just about that curiosity, you know. And I I guess I I would have been curious anyway, but it was more around the curiosity of, of growth for myself and, and wanting to discover stuff about myself that helped me to really explore that. And I, I went through a, you know quite a few things personally that put me on that path of wanting to understand myself at a deeper level um, to the point where you know I've learned a lot about my own sabotaging pattern of behaviour, my self-sabotage and, and pattern of sabotage. I then help others to map out their own map of chaos and their own map of self-sabotage and help people to overcome that. What advice would you give to a young, younger person who wanted to follow in your footsteps? Great question. I think it's just be curious and be thirsty and hungry for growth. And what, by, I mean, what, what I mean by growth is personal growth, not just around, you know, growth in finances or growth in, you know, perhaps other areas of life that you're wanting to improve it's around that personal growth and personal improvement and personal development so just always be looking out for the next book that's going to help you to grow in the area you want to grow in be curious about yourself and, and about your own mind and about your own life and your own beliefs travel you know that's a great way to learn stuff about yourself and journaling uh, and also being mindful of your impact on others and impact on the planet and how you can really be curious about what you can leave behind as a legacy and and what you can do to be aligned with your purpose so understanding your values is a very important aspect of that as well so journaling as in keep a diary yeah yeah absolutely very See simple your yeah. progress yeah it, but it's writing about your experiences as well and writing about you know what happened when you did something did it impact you 
how did it impact you how did it impact others you know self-reflection self-reflection yeah that's very very important as part of growth to be reflecting on you know yourself and others and the situation do you have business partners yes and no yeah there's a few few areas where I work with partners but I tend to be working quite a lot inside businesses as a consultant so uh, okay what would you give us as three tips for working with business partners trust is a very important thing I think that's the first thing you've got to trust the person and that can be built up over time so I think it's important to establish trust it's important to also be reviewing and reflecting on that relationship is it achieving what you wanted it to so setting the intentions and expectations up front what are the end results that you're both working towards are you achieving those end results so reviewing and reflecting on you know is that partnership serving you and then the other thing is to basically make sure that you're having fun with that with that partnership you know if it's serving both parties then you should be able to celebrate that and be enjoying that and making sure that that's an important aspect of that relationship that you're enjoying it and getting fun from it that's um, very insightful. Would you say that you have to like your business partner? Because your business partner could be effective. Yeah, but yeah. You just think, I wouldn't want to drink, have a drink with him. Sure, yeah, yeah. He that, does bring something to the table, if not more than what I do. Yeah, I think that's important then around you know the expectations of that partnership. If that is purely a kind of transactional relationship where you need that other party to help you to grow in an area or to give something that you can't give or it helps you to to bring value or bring something different then it's important to know that's the purpose of that relationship you don't necessarily then have to be best buddies with that person but I do think it's important to make sure you've got a good relationship with them mm-hmm. whatever the aspect of uh, of the uh, relationship might be or whatever the purpose of that relate that uh, partnership might be so yeah I think it's important to just kind of reflect on why do you want that partnership to work and making sure that you're both working on that partnership working mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. is there any qu- food for thought that you can leave us with that I haven't asked you cool that's a stunning question I guess it's it's just always be curious about you know what you're doing and, and aligning with your own purpose and your values values are so important to understand about yourself to know that you're aligning everything you do so my values are around contribution they're around respect they're around having fun and and growing so growth is, a, is an important one so for me it's making sure that I'm doing things in work and in life in personal life that help me to align with those values but if you're doing stuff that's not aligned with that, you'll find you'll become unhappy and you won't feel a sense of fulfillment or, or happiness. So yeah, it's important to align with your values. Well, thanks a lot for that. Remind people where they can find you again and what platforms? Yeah, YouTube and any podcast channels. Uh, the Self-Sabotage Show with Damien Colhane and Damien Colhane at, on YouTube. That's D-A-M-I-A-N-C-U-L-H-A-N-E. Well, thanks a lot for that. And all the links will be down below in the episode. And uh, thank you for his support, your support, the lovely wife. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. All right. Enjoy. We hope that episode enhanced your life. We post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. 
Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episodes.